0: He kōna i e purangi tēnei nā te irirangi o Aotearoa.
1: E aku ihorai, e aku rauranga tira mā, tahuti mai ki ngā kōrero, hei rangitāmiro i ngā kaupapa o te ao Māori, ko Justin Maria ahau. We're back with the award-winning series He a Ho. This week, producer and presenter Kahukūtia explores the Aotearoa justice system. PhD student and spokesperson for People Against Prisons, Aotearoa or Papa Emira argues that the prison system doesn't work and only traumatizes whānau. Kahu also joins Awatia Mita, whose personal story of loss has spurred on her own work in restorative justice. Just a bit of a heads up. The following interviews contain stories about addiction and other personal perspectives of the kai cordido This is He Kākanoa Hau, Reimagining Justice.
2: May we boundlessly dream of possibilities beyond our wildest imaginations. I dream of a world where we can be our fluid selves. May we weave communities of support, compassion and active solidarity.
1: I dream of a world where we can come together.
2: May we walk into a future that is connected and thriving for all. I dream of a world where Aote people have got our land back.
1: Where takatapui can be free.
2: Where indigenous knowledge is recognised.
1: And as we heal te taiao, we naturally heal ourselves.
2: My name is Kahuka Kūtia, and this is He Nuaho Season 2. Pikimai mai, I'm guessing you've heard of prison. If you're lucky, it's a place you know only from movies or TV. For some of you, though, prison is a bit more real. You go there to visit whānau or friends, or you've been there yourself. Maybe you're there right now. Growing up, I thought prison was where you put bad people for being, you know, Bad. But then in my 20s, I started to meet people who thought differently. In this episode, we're going to dive into Aotearoa's justice system and find out a little bit more about how it all works. Prisons work
3: really, really well. Just not for any of the stuff that we're told they meant to work for. And how it might be
2: done differently.
0: I also have faith that the answers are within our communities.
2: Let's get into it.
3: Prisons don't reduce crime. Prisons traumatise people who are sent to prison. This is Emi Rakete. Prisons train people to think in terms of domination and hierarchy. Prisons harm the families of people who are sent to prison.
2: Emmy's the press spokesperson for People Against Prisons Aotearoa, or Papa, and the arguments she's repeating are literally from 1820. So we have been asking for the same prison reforms
3: the whole time. We've been getting these prison reforms the whole time. And they have failed to actually fix the problem the whole time.
2: Thanks to people like Emmy, my ideas about prison have started to change. And where I thought I knew the answers, I now have so many questions, which I think is a good sign. Like, what's the purpose of a prison? What are they for? Is it really as simple as bad people go there? Also, is the current system just? Is it fair? And if not... What might a just alternative look like for Fano Māori who make up 52% of our prison population here in Aotearoa? I'm off to visit Emmy in the hopes that she can answer some of the questions that I have. I first met Emmy at Ihumātau two years ago. We're quite away from the green paddocks of Ihumātau now in a straight-laced suburban neighbourhood. For a minute, I was like, are we in the right place? But we knock on a door, and there she is.
3: Hi, come on.
2: We head into Emmy's room, which is like a lush tropical greenhouse filled with artwork and plants everywhere.
3: Oh, great basil plant. Oh, my gosh. It did come like that, so it had nothing to do with looking (laughs) at it.
2: In the corner is her desk. That's where she's currently finishing off the last bits of her PhD. We settle in, and Emmy introduces herself. So, I'm um,
3: ko ngāpohi me te me ngā kamahi o te ao kiwi. My ancestors were proletarianised in the 30s and moved to Auckland, and, which was part of the urban working
2: class since then. So I grew up in Auckland. I've lived here for my whole life. Emmy is the media spokesperson for People Against Prisons Aotearoa, or PAPA. The PhD she's working on is for a doctorate at the University of Auckland. And this is really simplified, but pretty much it's about the history of capitalism, the history of prisons, and how they're related.
3: So the history of prisons is pretty interesting in Aotearoa. So to start off with, we had none. None anywhere. So I'm pretty sure you heard
2: that, but just one more time in case you
3: missed it. We had none. None anywhere. Yep. Prior to colonisation, prisons didn't exist here. The idea of like putting someone in a cage and leaving them there till they become a better person never occurred to our ancestors because it's dumb, right? It's obviously dumb. The basic structure of Māori society was whānau. It was based on ties of whakapapa and prisons don't make any sense. In that context, they're like a bad way of solving problems if you think this way. So our ancestors didn't think that way. But prisons shut up at some point between then and now. At first, Aotearoa's prisons were actually mostly filled with Pākehā, Prisons in New Zealand were mostly regional jails in the small towns and settlements that they had set up, and they were mostly used to punish other pākehā for the same kinds of crimes that you get put in a prison for back in the imperial corps. But as Aotearoa's population changed, so did that purpose. As the kāwanatānga got more and more politically powerful, they were able to use prisons in new and different ways. And in the period of explicit military conflict between different Māori organisations and the kāwanatānga, Prisons became an explicitly military technology. So the example that most people probably know about is Parihaka. About 600 non-violent protesters from Parihaka who were trying to resist the theft of their land um, got taken and put in prisons throughout the South Island. So we can see that Actually, even the and tanga recognised what prisons do, which is seva papa, because they were literally deliberately using prisons to seva whakapapa during the, the land wars in order to break the military resistance of Māori to the theft of our land.
2: There is a massive overrepresentation of us within the prison system. We're only about 17% of the general population, but we are 52% of the prison population. And the statistics are worse for Māori women.
0: One of the most known statistics in or 63% wahine Māori in there.
2: This is Awatea Mita. And yes, yeah, she did just say that 63% of women in our prisons are Māori. That's really bad even when you look at international statistics for the imprisonment of Indigenous women. Awatea is a justice advocate and we first met at uni together. Today we're back on our old stomping grounds, the Kelvin campus at Victoria University in Te Whanganui Atara. Nice to see you. see you too, back in I know, yeah. We just went for a walk around uni and... Awatea has a kind face and dark curly hair. She really comes off so nāwari and soft-spoken, but she always speaks with conviction.
0: I used to say I was like a prisoner rights activist, but I didn't want to use the word prisoner and then Just Speak described me as being a justice advocate, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll take that. So that advocacy in the justice space came about... Um, from my own experience
2: of incarceration. Awatea's time in prison obviously doesn't define who she is, but it was a really influential experience. She was one of the 63%.
0: I'd already heard the statistics. Everybody in New Zealand knows them. But when I went in there and I had to look around and there were all Māori women in there, it was a huge shock to me.
2: I think a lot of people assume that people in prison have come from an upbringing of disconnection, poverty and no community support. Awatea's early life was definitely hard, but there were also a lot of wonderful moments. Her mum is the legendary Merata Mita, one of the great pioneers of the Māori screen industry. A lot of Merata's work was focused on activism, and so Awatea as a child grew up attending protests and had some really strong role models.
0: I want to kind of dispel this idea that it's only, like, oh, like, really poor people or, like, um, whatever stereotypical views that people have of women who go to prison. So I had everything on track at that point.
2: I asked Awatea where she believes her journey into prison began.
0: I look back on it as really starting with the death of my father. At that point... I was my father's oldest, so it fell on me to arrange his tangi. I was like a backbone in our whānau, someone that could be relied upon, respected, you know, loved by everybody. Within the year, my job, which I was very much you know, passionate about, was terminated, and I thought that was the worst day of my life. But then three days after that, my mother passed away, and then I thought that was the worst day of my life. And at her tonguey, definitely the wheels were falling off. At my mother's tonguey, there are you know, incidents of my own behaviour that I'm ashamed of, where I didn't behave well. You know, so. From the year before going through losing my father and being like a backbone coach member of the farno to the point where I lost my mother, I was none I wasn't any of those things at that point. And then my 16-year relationship ended and that was really the turning point where I just thought I'm sick of trying to live this respectable life.
2: So basically life just got really hard. She lost both of her parents, her dream job, she broke up a 16 year relationship and she also had her son to take care of. It was a lot to cope with alone and here, didn't really know how to. And So
0: what I'm talking about is not having the skills to navigate through my grief. I also was in a lot of pain and I didn't want to own that and I didn't want to talk about it to anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like people were going to understand. It's sort of like being in a place where I thought I was the only person, you know, feeling this horrible in the world. It's a feeling of being really alone, you know, and disconnected. Mm. You know, I wasn't familiar with that terrain, really, because uh, I had a pretty big family. I remember at the time of my dad's passing, I was someone who felt connected to the whenua, to the moana, to, you know, to our the environment, into my whānau. And so that had been
2: eroded. Feeling lost, alone and disconnected, Awatea turned to something that a lot of people turned to. She started using drugs. And it seemed to help for a little bit.
0: I wasn't feeling suicidal. I wasn't wanting to end all the pain I could get through the day. And then it started off with just small amounts of meth and escalated to where I was consuming a lot of meth... At that point, just to get out of bed, I was really naive about what I thought it would be like getting into that lifestyle. Um, I was in so deep before
2: I came up for air and um, realised what was going on. It was a path with a not-so-good ending. Awatea was arrested on drug-related charges and she was eventually sentenced in court. And that's when I knew that I was going to prison at that point. In preparation for prison, Awatea sent her son off to live with her brother so that he could be looked after by whānau while she was away. I imagine going to prison for the first time would be pretty scary, but as Awatea tells it... At
0: that point in my life, I wasn't really too scared of much. My experience in in dealing methamphetamine had left me feeling pretty invincible to the world. There wasn't too much I was afraid of. but i i had already been missing my son so that was um That was something that i yeah carried off me mm.
2: so awatea wasn't afraid of what was waiting for her in prison but if she knew then what she does now maybe she might have been Last year, Guy and Espiner published this piece on RNZ.
0: Mihi Bassett survived a suicide attempt in Auckland Women's Prison and lived through conditions the judge described as a concerted effort by corrections to
2: break her spirit. In response to that story, Manukau District Court Judge David McNaughton ruled early in 2021 that corrections broke its own regulations multiple times in its treatment of these wahine who were gassed in their cells and forced to perform a humiliating ritual just to be fed. This is what the judge said at the time of the ruling.
3: The measure of a civilised society is how it treats its most vulnerable and disadvantaged citizens, and we judges know from experience that Maori woman prisoners are amongst our most vulnerable, disadvantaged and damaged citizens. To learn that this serious physical and psychological abuse is occurring in a women's prison is profoundly disturbing and that it is happening or that it was happening here in our own backyard in Monaco, just a few minutes' drive from this, this court, is especially disturbing for a judge who sits here.
2: And another story was hitting the headlines at the end of 2020, though this one was at a different prison.
3: There was this uprising in the ugliest, dirtiest, shittiest unit in Waikiria Prison. So it's a logical place for an uprising to happen. This
2: is Emira Kete again. The uprising she's talking about was 16 men protesting for six days over what they described as unacceptable conditions at the prison. Here's what was said on RNZ's morning report including comments from Chief Ombudsman Peter Bosher. In August, the Office of the Ombudsman published a report into
3: an unannounced inspection of Waikidia Prison. It said that while the low security areas were well maintained, the high security areas were not fit for purpose and this was seriously affecting the treatment of prisoners.
1: The high security unit in this prison that's old and hasn't been for the purpose for some time is old and, in short, the conditions are just decrepit and bearing on the inhumane.
2: Tani at Waikiria Prison are entitled to complain about things like living conditions and corrections are obligated to investigate in a fair, effective and timely manner. But the Ombudsman's report found that 77% of people did not have faith in the complaints process. 78% said they didn't feel complaints were dealt with promptly and 75% said they weren't dealt with fairly. During that unannounced inspection at Waikiria, a tāne there actually requested a complaint form.
3: They literally had to go off and print some forms so that the ombudsman could see what those forms looked like when they went to Waikiria because there were literally none on hand. So the idea that people in prison are meant to just follow the formal process in order to get justice is a lie. But it's like not a new lie. The kāwanasanga has always told our people, I'll just fill in the form, just sign the bit of paper, uh, just come to parliament just vote and you'll get your justice and we've never gotten justice
2: The Ombudsman's report talks about some of the ways that the government is responding to discussions about prison conditions. They are building a new 600-bed facility at Waikeria. The report talks a lot about the Hokairangi strategy, which was launched in 2019. According to Corrections, Hokairangi is a copapa that innovates to find new and alternative ways of doing things to achieve better outcomes with Māori and their whānau. In the report, the prison's leadership team were seen to show a demonstrated commitment to hōkairangi, but there were a number of areas where reality did not align with the strategy. When it came to the treatment of Mihi Bassett and other women at Auckland Region Women's Corrections Facility, Corrections Minister Calvin Davis acknowledged at the time that a review was needed to bring prison systems and processes in line with hōkairangi. Reading all of this, I'm thinking about how policy is important, but it needs to be actioned meaningfully in order to make a difference. We reached out to Corrections for comment and received this response from Tupia Rameka, Deputy Chief Executive Maori. Ho kairangi is a long-term strategic approach designed to bring about intergenerational change and it is simplistic to expect immediate change across our operations, culture, policy and facilities, he said. On the topic of Auckland Region Women's Corrections Facility, Rameka said, Corrections met with three women to acknowledge and apologise for the way they were managed at the prison between February 2019, six months prior to the launch of Hokairangi, and February 2020. Despite the challenges of working with people who sometimes exhibit very difficult behaviour, we must always uphold the highest standards and for these women we didn't. We immediately made a number of changes at the prison to prevent this from ever happening again. On Waikaria, Ramaka said there is no excuse for the actions of those prisoners involved in the riot. He then outlined multiple avenues of complaint available to those in custody. Finally, our ability to see success and work to address the causes of maori overrepresentation in the justice system is a collective effort, and we are continuing to work collaboratively and in partnership with agencies, iwi and others. We know there is a lot of hard work to do. You can read the full statement online at rnz.co.nz Awatea Mita and I spoke a lot about dignity and how hard it was for her and the woman she knew in prison to live with dignity while they were in there. Remember Judge David McNaughton's words from his statement to Mihi Bassett, the measure of a civilised society is how it treats its most vulnerable and disadvantaged citizens. Keep that in mind as Awatia tells us this next story.
0: So many nights, I would listen to Rihanna and that song, Just Hold On, I'm Coming Home.
2: Thinking of her boy waiting for her on the outside gave Awatea the strength to survive anything on the inside. Just hold on, son, I'm
0: coming home, and it's, you know, things will be all right, you know, we'll be okay. 11 months into my prison sentence... He passed away from an accidental drowning at the Fakatani Bridge, and that today is still the worst day of my life. It's definite now; (laughs) like that was the worst thing that could have happened.
2: pain that no one should ever have to experience. To make matters worse, Awatea tells me that it was bureaucracy and mangled paperwork that meant that, although she should have been able to attend most of her son's tangi, in the end she only got a few hours on the marae to say goodbye. Once she was back in prison, things didn't get easier.
0: really sickened me, actually, how the um, prison dealt with that. When I went to my son's tangi, I got to bring his picture back and um, one of the officers was saying that I shouldn't have it, that I should have it taken off me because it's only going to remind me of, of losing my son. And I just thought, do you think I forget? Do you think there's a second in the day where I don't know that I'm a mother who's lost their child?
3: It's a really simple argument that prisons work really, really well. Emi Rakete from Papa again, but she's not finished. Just not for any of the stuff that we are told them meant to work for.
2: Emmy is summarising an idea from American criminologist Jeffrey Ryman. So do prisons do a very good job
3: stopping crime? No, there is no observable correlation between the prison population and the crime rate. Do prisons do a good job rehabilitating people? No, uh, New Zealand particularly they don't because we have one of the highest recidivism rates in the world. More than half of everyone leaving prison will be back in prison within three years. So if prisons don't do these things very well, what do they do well? Well, they make us stop looking at structural social problems. They make us stop looking at the fact that people are desperate and hungry and poor. They live in the worst houses, in the worst neighbourhoods, with the worst access to education, healthcare, mental health care, treatment for traumatic brain injuries. Um... We don't look at any of these structural social problems. We just look at the bad person who did a bad thing, so you put them in a box. Some misdirection.
2: Awatea and Emmy are both pretty strong in their convictions that the current system is broken, but they're also both hopeful that change is possible.
0: To my way of thinking... The starting point actually comes back to some of our more traditional ways of being in the world where our relationships are based on respect, you know, respect of one another, respect for our elders. So currently you can get a cultural programme in prison and you can learn to be more Māori, you know, on a tikanga programme. Like, let's have tikanga from the outset you know let's have our way of being in the world the first experience we have of this world. So much can start with just a simple conversation and having some hard conversations within our own families and kind of building up a movement towards taking care of our needs.
2: So how do we imagine a world beyond prisons? Maybe some of the answers are actually in our past. We know that prisons didn't exist in Aotearoa before colonisation, but we actually don't know much about how our Atshipuna dealt with these kinds of issues. We know a little bit, though.
3: We dealt with this problem when it did arise um, by incorporating people back into the social structure that they came from. So you would go back to your whānau, you would go back to your community and say, I did this bad thing and I harmed someone seriously and now I'm going to live in that and continue working on that, repairing the relationships that I've harmed until the relationships are repaired or I die of old age.
2: Just like the past, it can be hard to think about the specifics of a future without prisons. Thanks to Emmy, we know now that prisons actually haven't been around for that long. And yet moving towards literally anything else feels like a mammoth task. But the more I think about it, the more I feel that gaining a holistic perspective is an important part of justice. Back to Emmy. It looks like...
3: Mara justice. It looks like holding people accountable for the harm that they've done without putting them into re-traumatising and individualising punitive institutions that don't help them and don't help us.
0: So I'd like to think that we would develop our own traditional practices that are continually addressing harms. This is from Awatea again. And that we have those lines of communication open, look at what it is that is affecting a person's life, why they're behaving in a certain way, and what can we do about that as a community.
2: I'm really grateful to have Awatea in my life, such a hearty example of manawahine. Having gone through what she has, I think it would be entirely valid to just be angry at the whole world. And certainly there is an anger in Awatea for all of the things that she's experienced. But also she has this healing presence to her and this hopefulness to keep invested in the kaupapa. I want to know what motivates Awatea to keep doing this mahi. I'm not surprised that it comes back to her boy, Lance.
0: A lot of what I do today is about honouring his memory. I hear people say, oh, you know, I can't make up for the things I've done, I can't make amends because the people who were affected have died. But, but I have a different perspective. I look at it like, in death, I can do the things for him that I didn't do in life. When I think of my son and how much he motivates me to stay on this track of advocacy that is enough, if that's all the encouragement I had, it's all I need I know that he would be proud
1: Tēnā koutou, kahukūtia with emirakite and awatia mita. That was Series 2 of He Kākanoa Hau, Reimagining Justice. Now you can find the full episodes, you can listen or watch the series at the podcast and series page at rnz.co.nz. If you'd like to get in touch, it's simple. You can email Tiahika at rnz.co.nz. Follow the stories on Facebook. Just search RNZ Tiao Māori. Enjoy your long weekend. Kia Maru te Tina Tēnā katoa.